Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Be really careful when you listen to this week's episode. And bear with me, I'm getting over a little bit of a spring cold. In the first few minutes of this episode, you can get tripped up by Joe when he says, meditate on this chapter, we agnostics. If you meditate on this chapter, you may just let the whole reason for the chapter being written into your heart. And that is having a spiritual experience. Because if you let the higher power in that can bring about the change, that can bring about the relief from the alcoholism, the disease, of the mind and the allergy of the body, then you have successfully understood chapter four, we agnostics. Rebel on page 10, his mind snapped shut against such a theory. And all this chapter here is to do is get us to investigate and to look at these things with an open mind, to think about the things and to wonder about the things that they put in here. Just meditate on these things so that God might prove to me there's a God. What a, what a tremendous idea that is. And Father Bill W. loved this chapter, and I've always loved it. And it's a tremendous piece of spiritual information, one of the best the world has ever seen. It says, in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And we've done that up to this point. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably an alcoholic. We just love the simplicity of the big book. Two little questions to determine whether you're alcoholic or not. You know how people tend to change things. Our fellowship today has taken these two simple little questions, and we've got a pamphlet today that's got 44 questions in it. God, I'm glad that Ebby didn't have the 44 questions when he walked into Bill's kitchen. He would have confused the hell out of Bill. He would have said, Bill, has alcohol been bothering your reputation? <laughs> he hadn't had a reputation in several years. And then he would have said, Bill, has alcohol been interfering with your sex life? And if he's anything like I was, he hadn't had any of that in a long time either. <laughs> he would have really confused Bill. I like the one in there that says, do you drink alone? Well, if I'm buying, yes, and if you're buying, no. I mean, it's simple. <laughs> We had an old friend that lived down in Texas called Wino Joe, and Joe had several questions to determine if you're alcoholic. One of them was this, has the roof of your mouth ever been sunburned? <laughs> he said, if it has, you're probably an alcoholic. <laughs> another, one is, another one is, have you ever been arrested for drunk driving from the back seat of your own car? <laughs> Have you ever been arrested for public drunk while in jail? <laughs> Big Book gives us two of them. Simple little questions. If, you, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, that's because of the obsession of the mind. Or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, that's because of the allergy of the body, then you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. You know, we're very unique people. 
We number amongst the few people in the world today who have an illness of both the body and the mind that can only be overcome by a spiritual experience. We also number amongst the few people in the world today who have a terminal illness that we can come out of it in better shape than we were when we went into it if we can have this spiritual experience. Now, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. And that would be absolutely true. You know, an atheist is one who says there is no God. Now, if he really believes that, then a spiritual experience would be impossible for him to have, he would think, because there's no God for him to turn to, no power greater than human power. An agnostic is one who says there probably is a God, but since you can't prove it, then we'll do things our way. Most of us, when we get to AA, are probably agnostic, and we've been agnostic for a long, long time. I turned agnostic at about age 12. Yeah, I believed there was a God, but I didn't believe he was a kind and a loving God, and I didn't believe he would do those things for us we needed done. I thought he was hellfire and brimstone. Therefore, I acted as if there was not a God. I acted just exactly like the atheist. I got the same thing the atheist got, which is nothing. To one who's atheist or agnostic, such an experience would seem to be impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death. Step one. Or to live on a spiritual basis. Step two. Are not always easy alternatives to face. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics, and our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And I think what Bill's really saying is it really doesn't make any difference what you believe. Whether you're atheist, agnostic, or whatever, you're still going to be able to have this spiritual experience. So we don't have to be too worried about that. If a miracle of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. You know, I believe today there's a difference between an alcoholic and a drunken bum. A drunken bum is about where he wants to be, and he's really not too interested in changing the situation. An alcoholic is there with the drunken bum, but the alcoholic doesn't want to be there. I've never seen an alcoholic yet that did not have a philosophy of life and a set of morals. The only problem is, because of our alcoholism, we could not live up to those things. And if those morals and philosophies would have saved us, we would have recovered a long time ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Now, the atheist is running on human power. The agnostic is running on human power also. And our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed us utterly. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live.
And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. Now, that doesn't say which will help you solve it or which will enable you to solve it. It says which will solve your problem. Now, up until page 45 in the big book, I've been primarily looking at one thing and one thing only, sobriety, sobriety, sobriety. But page 45 says this thing really doesn't deal with sobriety. What it deals with is how do you find the power? And for those of us who are powerless, whether we be atheist or agnostic, if we can find the power, then the power will solve the problem. And from page 45 on, this book talks about one thing and one thing only. How do you find the power? And if we can find the power, then the power will automatically take care of that problem. So from here on out, we're going to be looking at one thing and one thing only. For those of us who are powerless, how do we find the power? Joe? Let's go to page 46. You know, all this morning and last night, we have looked at willpower. We have looked at Bill, who had a very lot of, a lot of strong willpower. We looked at Jim, who tried to use his willpower. We looked at Fred, who gathered all of his resources and tried to use his willpower. And it just failed utterly. And Charlie has mentioned many, many times, and we've talked about it many, many times, that the main problem of the alcoholic centers in their mind rather than in the body. And this book from now on recognizes from here on out that you can't heal a sick mind with a sick mind. We can't think our way out of this. We can't wish our way out of it. We can't will our way out of it. We just can't do it. We have to have a power greater than ourselves, which will solve our problem. And that's what the rest of this book is all about, is how to find that power which will solve the problem. And I know a lack of power is our problem, because if we could have found the power in any other way, we wouldn't be members of Alcoholics Anonymous today. You know, I've never seen a guy in AA yet say, I took a drink when I was 14, jumped up and down, shouted with joy, said I could hardly wait to be a member of AA when I'm 28 years old. No, we came to AA because this is the court of last resort. Everything else has failed us. If we could have found the power in any other way, we wouldn't be members of AA today. So we all start exactly even with a lack of power, trying to find that power, regardless of what we thought, regardless of what we believe. We didn't have the power, or we wouldn't be here today. Now let's see how we find that power. So much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with Him. It's the last paragraph on page 46. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard a turn for those who seek Him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that I didn't need to consider another's conception of God. My own conception, that little thing that I did for my sponsor, my own conception, however inadequate, and it definitely was inadequate, was the beginning point. I needed some place to begin. And I began there, and I began to add to that and expand that as years have gone by. 
but I needed to know that I could pick my own conception of God. And that was a wonderful idea for me. Page 47. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies too to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. See, just think about the things that they talk about here. I had to lay aside all those old ideas that I brought in here and begin to look at these things with an open mind and just wonder and just think what they mean to me. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. And afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. Now we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe? The agnostic has always believed. Or am I even willing to believe? The atheist can become willing to believe. That there's a power greater than myself. And as soon as a man can say that he does believe, or is willing to believe, we in fact assure him that he's on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Again the asterisk, again the bottom of the page, please be sure to read Appendix 2 on a spiritual experience. See, it's so important. They've mentioned it three times. I must find out what they're talking about and what the rest of this book is about with an open mind. I thought we were here to not drink a day at a time. Well, we are, but that's just the beginning. That's just the barest beginning of this program of the miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous. Bill said that was great news for us, for we could assume we could not make use of spiritual principles and we, unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. Now then he separated the words faith and belief. And one of my problems has always been when I was a kid going to church that the minister always said, son, all you got to do is have faith and everything will be all right. Well, I couldn't have faith because I could just barely believe. Faith indicates prior knowledge. Faith indicates after-the-fact information. Agnostic. Noun. A person who holds the view that any ultimate reality, such as God, is unknown and probably unknowable who is not committed to believing in either the existence of or the non-existence of God or a God. Remember, Charlie told us a few episodes ago that it's always good to have a dictionary next to our big book because occasionally we will find a word that we want to look up. And this is a great one because this is probably a label that fits many people as we enter the program. I was in this camp I wasn't totally anti-anti-religion, and I did touch on that a little bit last week. But in this episode, in this chapter, I should say, of We Agnostics, Bill really wanted to give more, get more information, dig deeper, scratch that, uh, that top layer off a little bit, and show that this program requires that we find something bigger than ourselves. If we are always looking inward and only letting ourselves drive our recovery, we will fail every time. And we will fail because we are sick of mind. We can't heal ourselves. 
You know, that's why they say, don't be your own attorney. And doctors, you can't heal themselves. You need outside help. And that is not weakness. Weakness is not saying, I'm a drowning man and I don't want to be like this anymore. That's a strength of character that we seem to have lost. That seems to now be out of vogue or I don't know why. Because that, again, is how we learn when we fail and fall down and get the opportunity to stand up and change. And maybe that's too much social media. Maybe that's too much one and done and you never get redemption. But this is a chapter about redemption. And if you haven't read it lately, crack it open and read a few pages. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.